how do we do this? How do we keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace? It's really hard, right? And I would like to, there we go, kind of focus upon a few life lessons from Cesar Chavez, Cesar Chavez. As some of you might know, Cesar Chavez was, he's pretty much the most famous Latino, basically. He has a postage stamp, he has two national monuments, like, and he, he was like, kind of, he's like the symbol of the Chicano civil rights movement of the 1960s, and he fought for the rights of farm workers. But before going into that, I wanted to share what we call in critical race theory a counter story. I'm a critical race theorist guy in my UCLA hat. And critical race counter stories are kind of like modern day parables. They're modern day parables basically, like composite life stories of people that we've met, data that we've researched or someone else has researched and we put it together to a story. And this is, here's a story of Jill. So Jill grew up in Southern California and she came to know Jesus in a white evangelical church in Orange County. She went to college at a liberal arts college in Southern California, and in college she learned about issues of race, gender, social justice issues. She learned about structural injustice, systemic injustice. She became a leader in InterVarsity on her college campus. You could fill that in with um, Jill went to APU as a college student or Biola, you know, take your pick. But um, after the fatal shooting of Michael Brown in Ferguson and the Charlottesville neo-Nazi rally, she was disturbed by the silence of her local church. Recently, as immigrant children were being separated from their families at the border, when children were placed in cages, when families were deleted with the click of a mouse key, that was the last straw for her. And she said, I need to make a separation from the church. It's too painful. So she stopped going to church. She sought fellowship in, in non-Christian spaces that centered voices of people of color. And she got involved in her local um, BLM chapter. Good things, seeking justice, but she fell away from the church. What, is, what are the Jills of today's, or the Roberts, or take your pick, probably anyone in this church. How do we stay faithful to God's word in this time? How do we make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace when there is such a divide in the body of Christ? What do we do? There's no easy answers. But we can look to the life of Cesar Chavez and the ministry of Cesar Chavez for some general principles that will help us get through. Because if we're honest, like as Latinos, as people of color, it's bad now, but before they used to like shoot at us and segregate us, and we've been through this before. Right? So we, we can look at the life of Cesar Chavez to give us some principles that will help get us through. So as I mentioned before, Cesar Chavez, again, he's really one of the preeminent leaders of the Chicano, Chicano civil rights movement of the 60s. He is famous for organizing the first successful agricultural union in US history. So in the 60s, um, many Mexican-Americans were farm workers. My dad picked the fields. Um, at times, 
there were, they were paid really low wages, they had no bathrooms, there was rape in the fields, it was this horrendous situation. And Cesar Chavez said, you know, I want to help organize a movement to challenge that. And so they, he, with Dolores Huerta, started the United Farm Workers. They kind of brought to the national attention, to the interna international attention, sort of the struggles of farm workers. And they took part in this famous boycott, and it, it sort of led to, again, the first successful agricultural sort of union in U.S. history, and it was amazing. What most people don't realize was that, was that at least the first 10 years of the movement was, was centered upon Christ. People have stripped the Jesus out of Cesar Chavez. They've stripped the Abuelita theology, as we say, out of, out, of, um, out of the UFW movement. Another thing, as an important side note, is that they stripped the role of Asian Americans out of the movement as well. I'm Chinese on my mom's side, I'm Mexican on my dad's side. And it was, it was Filipino farm workers who started the famous strike, boycott. And Cesar Chavez was invited into that boycott, and he's the one that became famous. But the movement was a multiracial movement started by the Asian American community, but that, that's sort of a, a side note as important as it, as it is. If we look to the example of Cesar Chavez, we, f we find three important principles that, that, again, I think if we as the body of Christ in Monrovia, in the San Gabriel Valley, in the United States, are able to really internalize these, these biblical principles and embody them, it'll take us most of the way to where we need to go. The first principle is the idea that the goal of social justice is not social justice. <laughs> the goal of social justice is not social justice. Social justice is deeply valuable in and of itself. When a poor person or an immigrant is struggling, suffering, of course that justice is important in its own right. But as followers of Christ, we believe that that justice takes us to a place takes us somewhere. It takes us to the beloved community. Those of you, there's a lot of fuller people here, right? You've taken Hak Jun Lee's class and, you know, like his MLK class, which I took a number of years ago, actually myself. You know that, that um, the goal of social justice, according to Dr. King and Cesar Chavez, is the beloved community. The goal of social justice is God's family, the father of all, comprised of people of every cultural group, ethnic background, tribe, right? And Cesar Chavez, even in the 60s, he, he sort of stated this principle, although not as clearly as Dr. King, as we will point to in a second. <coughs> so Chavez said, la raza, why be racist? So la raza, that's like a, it's, it's a powerful term of identity that has much value in it, but it can be sort of um, taken in, into a bad direction. He says, la raza, why be racist? Our belief is to help everyone, not just one race. Humanity is our belief. Chavez. And I should say that my own Department of Chicano Studies at UCLA is named after Chavez. We oppose some of this La Raza business so much, we know what it does. When La Raza means or implies racism, we don't support it. But if it means our struggle, our dignity, our cultural roots, then we're for it. I want to highlight that part. I guess many times people don't know what they mean by la raza, but we can't be against racism on the one hand and for it on the other. So I'm not denigrating 
um, that important expression of self-identity is la raza. I use it. <laughs> but, but what I'm saying is that the ultimate goal, the eschatological goal of our justice has to be everybody. Okay. Really important. Um, I love my department of Chicano Chicano Studies. It does many great things, and I'm so thankful to be there. But if I'm honest, when we fight, we fight for our pie. We say, okay, we're fighting, we're, we're fighting for Mexican-Americans, Latinos, Latinos. And some of us extend it beyond that. Some people don't even extend it beyond Mexican-American, and that's kind of really hard for me as a follower of Christ. But as a follower of Christ, I have to say the goal of our social justice is it's the whole world, and it's the body of Christ. Dr. King put it this way, but the end is reconciliation, the end is redemption, the end is the creation of the beloved community. It is this type of spirit and this type of love that can transform opposers into friends. I should say at this point that I'm not watering down injustice. Some people take what I just said, will misquote me, <laughs> and take it to this place of, oh, well, race doesn't matter, right? Or there's not really racism anymore, right, Robert? Right? I'm not saying that at all. I'm saying, first of all, in order to get to the beloved community, you have to call out racism specifically, directly, directly, forcefully, with all the authority that Jesus overturned the tables with, right? So, I'm, so hear me clearly. But that being said, we, we, we do that to get to the beloved community. Otherwise, it's like a family, like, Probably most of our families are dysfunctional, probably. <laughs> what happens when one family member hurts another family member and the parents don't call it out clearly and specifically? When they say, oh, well, it wasn't that bad what they did to you. Or, or they say, oh, well, that didn't really happen. That kind of thing, right? That's a recipe for family dysfunction, tragically, right, to the grave. And so in order to get to the beloved community, we have to, like, as the loving parent, God has to take, he actually, God does take the side of the people that are wronged, right? He loves all, all the siblings, but he takes the side of the, the people, that the, the sibling that's wronged, right? If I see my two kids fighting and one sibling is beating up the other one and just, you know, taking advantage of the other one, as a loving father, I have to stop. I have to have one conversation with the child who's doing the beating and saying, that is not okay and have one conversation with them. And for my child who has been a, getting hurt, I have to have another conversation with them. And the goal is that our family is reunited, right? That's the beloved community. It's not easy, it's not simplistic. And that's the vision of Revelation chapter seven. After this I looked and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count. From every nation, tribe, people, and language, standing before the throne and before the Lamb. Tribes, we fight. We create my tribe here, your tribe there, and we say, you know what, the bottom line, this is a zero-sum game. It's about my tribe. Forget your tribe, right? That's what's happening. That's what's dividing the country today, right? But there's a very different vision here, right? It's in Revelation, every nation, tribe, people, and language standing before the throne and before the Lamb, wearing white robes, not neo-Nazi khakis, right? holding palm branches in their hands, not flags, crying out in a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. The beloved community. The goal of social justice ultimately is the beloved community. 
Justice comes from Christ through the church. We learned this from Chavez as well. Justice comes from Christ through the church. Chavez said some very strong things about this. He said, today I don't think I could base my will to struggle on cold economics or on some political doctrine. I don't think there would be enough to sustain me. For me, the base must be faith. That's Cesar Chavez, even stronger. The only justice is Christ, God's justice. I should just drop the mic and just go home right now. The only justice is Christ, God's justice. These are Cesar Chavez quotes. He said, when we refer to the church, we should redefine, we should define the word a little. We mean the whole church, the church as an ecumenical body spread around the world. That church is one form of the presence of God on earth. And so naturally, it is powerful. It is a powerful moral and spiritual force which cannot be ignored by any movement. As a Chicano activist, you know, like I, I operate in secular circles just as much as I do in Christian circles, right? I'm involved with faith, faith-based community organizing and secular organizing. I just swim in both worlds, um, and I have for over a decade. And I can tell you, I can speak a little bit about both sides. In the, in the, the Chicanx activist world, boy, they ignore the church. And even worse than that, slam the church. And most, much of the time, I understand. It's like because of all the historical misrepresentations, all the contemporary, contemporary misrepresentations, I get that. But they're not getting the whole picture. Right? And on this side, as a, as a Christian, as an evangelico, in terms of my theology and my community practices, who believes in Christ that has saved me and transformed my life, I can tell you my testimony, um, but also who believes that, that, that Christ came to transform every aspect of who we are and the world. Like, boy, I, I understand the story of Jill and Jill's alienation and Jill's feeling like, where do I fit? And we st- I feel trapped in the borderlands, right? There's probably many of us here that feel that same way. And I read the words of Chavez and it jars me. The only justice is Christ, God's justice. And the local church and the church ecumenical is a powerful moral and spiritual force which cannot be ignored by any movement. Ouch. Both sides, ouch. It doesn't make anybody feel comfortable, right? But as a follower of Christ, who's had my life transformed by Christ and have seen Christ transformed really desperate social situations. I know this is true. But what I see a lot of times now, and this is my, my um, deep concern, as a professor of Chicano-Chicano studies and Asian-American studies, I see many people leave the church, the Jills of this world, and I understand that, the hurt. But what happens when you take a burning coal that's burning brightly in a stack of coals and you take it and you set it aside? goes out, and I see that quite, quite often, and that breaks my heart. There's a romanticization of secular activism on the part of folks who, and I get it, when, you, when we get really burned on this side and we go to secular activism, and secular activism does many great things, and boy, the, boy, the world of secular activism puts us to shame as the church many times. But that being said, Christ is the source of justice, and there's a limit to that. 
There's a limit to that. And it's not a binary either. I mean, you need those partnerships, but all too often I've seen people lose their faith and that as a person who, who came to an adult conversion to Christ, that just shatters my heart when I see that. Matthew 16, and I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom on heaven, of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. This is Christ's authority and power to the church. As much as I love 501c3s, it's not, Christ didn't say, and on this rock I will build my 501c3. <laughs> or on this 501c3 I will, I will build my church. Either way, right? Um, it's the church. As the church, the gates of Hades will not overcome it. I've seen many nonprofits be overcome by the gates of Hades. It's to the church that, that Christ gave the keys of the kingdom. Not the most meaningful, as, as, as meaningful as, and important as 501c3s are. I have, I have a couple of them myself. That's not, the keys of the kingdom were not given to them. They do not have the authority to bind on earth things that will, that will be bound in heaven and loosing on earth things that will be loosed in heaven. I'm probably alienating everybody right now. <laughs> Sorry. Thirdly, um, sorry, as our time is running short, the method, the method of Chavez and King was radical love and nonviolence. Radical love and nonviolence, not only nonviolence of external action, but nonviolence of internal action, the heart. Nonviolent resistance is the idea that if we resist injustice firmly, peacefully and with love, then God will intervene in our cause and bring social change. In the words of my, one of my Chicano students, we were having this um, big immigrant rally that was both secular and Christian in Pico Union one day, and she stood up and said, it just hit me, love is the most powerful organizer. Love is the most powerful. Organizer. Chavez implemented the method of love and nonviolence through fasting, religious pilgrimage, prayer, boycotts, media. I could do a whole other series of talks just on that, but to make the point again, the method of Chavez, as expressed through these different methods, or rather these different sort of expressions, was radical love and nonviolence. And he got a lot of backlash for it. He got a lot of backlash for it. Because people were like, Chavez, oh yeah, how can you call a fast in the middle of our strike? Right? Yeah, prayer is fine, but we need to act and all these kind of things. And Chavez, he said, my fast is informed. He did this famous fast, 27-day fast, that was the turning point for the farm workers' movement. And he said, my fast is informed by my religious faith and by my deep roots in the church. It is not intended as pressure on anyone, but only as an expression of my own deep feelings and my own need to do penance and to be in prayer. I pray to God that this fast will be a preparation for a multiple of simple deeds of justice 
carried out by men and women whose hearts are focused on the suffering of the poor and who yearn with us for a better world. Cesar Chavez. Cesar Chavez. Radical love and nonviolence. And he got a lot of flack for it. And honestly, if you walk into a if I walk into a, a secular Chicano activist movement and I try to say this, people are going to throw some people are going to throw tomatoes at me. Some are going to listen, and some are going to get really mad. I'm sorry, I'm a follower of Jesus. I'm sorry. And when I start talking about the, the underlying social injustice issues to a church group, other people are going to throw tomatoes at me. I'm sorry, I'm a follower of Jesus. So Chavez said, people equate nonviolence with inaction, with not doing anything, and it's not that at all. It's exactly the opposite. Chavez called nonviolence militant, he called it militant nonviolence and Gandhian moral jujitsu. He said, some great nonviolent successes have been achieved in history. Moses is about the best example and the first one. Christ is also a beautiful example, as is the way Christians overcame tyranny by the Roman Empire. They needed over 300 years, but they did it. And of course, all this comes from, comes from Jesus, right? You've heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, so that you may be children of your Father in heaven. Who were Jesus' enemies at this time? It's kind of like today. It was the empire. It was people within his own sort of ethnic, religious group, many different groups of people. And that's how many of the Jills of today, many of us feel too. We have the folks that, that we, many folks that we call sisters and brothers who don't like us. We have the, the empire, the powerful um, reach of historic colonialism, But this is, our, this is our method, right? Again, not, again, just, not, not, not that we don't overturn the table sometimes and call things out specifically, but ultimately, this is our method, right? And that's what Chavez did, that's what King did. It's not simple, but it's our method. I wanna close in the last couple of minutes to show you a real story that, where I learned this. It's one thing to talk about things, right, like as a, kind of theoretical, intellectual, professor kind of type, and that's fine, there's value to that. But I saw this worked out one year ago. A year ago, Pastor Noe Carillas was detained by ICE, almost exactly a year ago. He was, he was and is an Assemblies of God pastor, came to the U.S. as a child refugee after he was kidnapped by, um, by guerrilla soldiers and imprisoned for about five years. He fled to the U.S. as a child refugee in the 1980s. He became the wife, I'm sorry, the husband of U.S. citizen wife, the father of two U.S. citizen children, and he was being threatened with deportation exactly one year ago, pretty much. He contacted us at the Matthew 25 movement, which is an organization of local churches throughout Southern California and throughout the United States. And he said, can you help me? So we banded together, Mountainside was part of that, the IRC was part of that. And we, we, we implemented these three principles. The goal of social justice is the beloved community. Right? What's the second one again? I'm tired. 
Justice through Christ, yes, thank you. Justice comes from Christ through the church, and our method was radical love and nonviolence. We set up a prayer vigil in front of the ICE headquarters, where for one week we sang praises to God and prayed and spoke, and the media came. We knew that the, that the director of immigration in LA was a strong Roman Catholic, so we sent him letters with scripture, Catholic social teachings, but these principles, again, at play. The beloved community, justice, justice comes from Christ through the church, and radical love and nonviolence. And to close, I want to show, this is his release. This is filmed on my iPhone, so sorry that it's kind of So this is not just theoretical. I do realize something too, and I'll close with this. As a person of color, I can say some things that other folks can't, and I'm glad to do it. <laughs> I'm glad to do it. The goal of social justice is the beloved community. I can say that without watering down that, what that means. Number two, justice comes from Christ through the church, and our method is radical love and nonviolence. With these three things, boy, that'll take us where we need to go. It'll take us where we need to go. So let's pray. Let's pray. <clears throat> Father God, thank you that you are <clears throat> the Father of us all. Thank you, Lord Christ, that you died on the cross and you rose again, Lord God, to make us and every aspect of this broken world new. Thank you that you embodied for us, you modeled for us, Lord Christ, love of enemy, moral, spiritual jujitsu, and Lord Jesus, help us, Lord God, in the days ahead to um, live out these principles by the leading of your Holy Spirit. We love you, Jesus, and we are here in your name for you. Make us witnesses in this world, Lord, of, of your grace and redemption. Amen.